Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. It's been a busy news week. Sometimes we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network anchors, Esther Dillard and Doug Davis to discuss this week's major stories. This is our daily story, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. So let's talk about what's going on this week. First, the mass shooting in New York City, the subway. Give us the rundown. Esther, you first. Right now, we know that New York City police, they have made an arrest in this case, and that they say that this guy by the name of Frank James, 62, was in the East Village of Manhattan in a McDonald's at 6th Street and 1st Avenue. And some people, I guess, saw him in that McDonald's and started making calls. And then he also apparently had called police and pretty much said to the police on the tip line, the call-in tip line, I think you're looking for me. I'm seeing my picture all over the news. I'll be around this McDonald's. Mm. So responding officers didn't see him in the McDonald's. They drove around the area. They spotted him near St. Mark's Place and First Avenue and took him into custody without incident, according to police. He said that his phone battery was dying and that he was going to be either inside the McDonald's or outside the McDonald's in front or whatever. And they did find him. What happened before this arrest was that police had been searching for him for about 30 hours or so, trying to find him. He had allegedly been on the train. He walked onto the train dressed in some gear that looked like a construction person's gear. Uh, He had a backpack with him. Uh, Apparently, there was a canister of some smoke bombs that opened. And from one of the reports that I saw was that he said, oops, (laughs) then first put on a gas mask, picked up gun and began firing away indiscriminately in the smoke. And at least five to 10 people had been hurt seriously. And then others hurt with strap metal and, and also getting hurt, trying to get away from the situation. So um, apparently he got out of the area. Police were searching for him, looking for video, did find surveillance footage. And that's why he said that I saw my picture on all over television. 
and they had put this picture up. People had been seeing it. And when they saw him out in the daylight, they called police and that's how he was picked up. So apparently he is in custody. The FBI took over and hopefully he will be in court very soon to face some charges. You know, what I found interesting about the whole ordeal is um, not just the fact that he kind of told on himself, you know, but that, like you said earlier, uh, Esther, a person identified him uh, and they found his photo on social media from a New York City Police Department social media post. So it shows the importance of communication and how social media and media can work in a very positive way. That capture was proof that as more people become vigilant, and I use that term in a figurative way, you know, we can catch some of these criminals and it's going to take more than just police to help stop crime. We all have to be our own technically quote unquote crime stoppers and shout out to crime stoppers too. They did their part as well. So, and then I think about, A lot of states are now starting to get around to making it easier for people to purchase guns without permits. Right. Right. Um, You know, this guy got a Glock nine from a gun store in Ohio back in 2011. You know, now I don't know if he was suffering a mental crisis then, but the point is, how are we going to stop these things? And I believe getting guns off the street is going to make it a little bit tougher for some of these folks to be able to carry out these incredibly heinous crimes. But then again, you've got state legislatures that are making it easier for people to purchase guns. So it's like an oxymoron. I mean, are we feeding the flame or are we trying to douse it? Sure, sure. I think it's really important to say that this is really phenomenal that no one was killed in this. Police say that his gun jammed. After he shot 33 times, he could have done a lot more damage with this. I always ask myself, well, what would bring someone to do something like this? You know, it'll be interesting to see, um, see what happens and how this plays out. Um, But let's move up north a bit. So the Buffalo, New York police officers from a couple years ago were cleared of all wrongdoing for shoving the elderly man, Martin Gugino, to the ground. If you remember the video, he hit the back of his head on the sidewalk, uh, slammed his head, and the blood was leaking from his ear. Again, the officers were cleared of all wrongdoing, despite there being video showing them doing that. So, Doug, let's start with you this time. I mean, uh, this was the case. I know when I saw it on television originally, I obviously felt sorry for the guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I didn't feel that the officers used any excessive force. Now, excessive force is a big thing right now with a lot of police departments. I know Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, they had to revamp or they are revamping their entire police department and reforming it because the Department of Justice found that uh, excessive force has been used in their uh, narcotics department that is now defunct for years, you know, and so they had to make some reform. Right. And so excessive force is is a big deal. And we even see that, obviously, with what happened in Grand Rapids, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But uh, I believe that this case played itself out the way it should. Now, I know there is a civil lawsuit that the gentleman has filed against the city and the police, which is kind of a different deal. But once again, this was a private mediation situation. Uh, Shouldn't be confused with an independent, transparent and public court proceeding. Uh, So I checked out the uh, 
Buffalo Police Benevolent Association website. That's the union that's representing the officers. And they're, of course, praising the arbitrator and said that they thought that it was a political witch hunt going on against the officers. Mm-hmm. So, And this was an interesting quote there, too. True law enforcement and politics don't mix. Very interesting. But I personally believe they do. But that could be another topic at another time. So, Esther? Well, you know, it's it's funny. I I agree with you. Um, Just listening to the reports and Buffalo is my hometown. So I grew up there and just the optics of watching these people, the police officers, when they were kind of issuing that there was a curfew because of the recent protests around the country after the George Floyd murder in 2020. This happened in June of 2020, June 4th. And when you look at the video and you see him fall to the ground, it was like, well, why did you have to push the old man? But at the same time, the arbitrator pretty much said that Martin Gugino, he wasn't an innocent bystander. And there's no evidence that the officers intended to injure him. And the officers testified that they did not intend to hurt him, but they were trying to move him out of their personal space. And that was the basic thing. And the arbitrator is part of a proceeding that the police union uses when it comes to officers accused of wrongdoing. Before this, not long after the incident happened, those officers were cleared of criminal charges. Mm -hmm. So the only thing right now that's on the table is that there is probably a civil suit. The officers are allowed to you know, start work again, they're back at work now, probably, and they won't have to face anything other than, you know, some people being, you know, kind of looking at them side eye. So there's, uh, so I do want to play devil's advocate a bit here, um, because there are two sides, there's two schools of thought, and I am of the opposite school of thought, where, you know, I did read that, that the officers did not intend to uh, cause harm to him, they were simply trying to move him out of the way. I personally felt like there could have been a bit more done than to be as aggressive. You know, when I saw the video, there was only one side being aggressive. The the elderly man was certainly not being aggressive in my estimation. And then, you know, we are in a litigious society. So I do recognize um, how there might be a civil suit that comes into play here, but accidents happen all the time. And uh, we don't base wrongdoing or harm around intention. We base it on whether or not there was harm done. You know, if I crash my car into someone, it doesn't matter what I intended to do. If I caused harm to someone else, then I'm responsible for that. And when I saw the video, my take was that the aggressors were definitely the police officers. Um, The man was certain he was a protester. So I wouldn't call him an innocent bystander. That's fair. But yeah, to see an elderly man who posed no real threat, who was to one degree or another, navigating or negotiating uh, that situation, be almost immediately pushed backwards by two officers. Um, It felt like an overreach. And I know that there's a significant amount of folks that feel that way as well. So again, with this one, it'll be interesting to see how the civil portion of this plays out, because there are some people who certainly support the police in this uh, endeavor, because, you know, the police, obviously, they have a tough job to do to make sure that the streets are clear, to enforce, you know, the rules and make sure that society is complying. Um, But then there's another side of it that says we should be able to stand up to tyranny. We should be able to voice our concerns about our government and so forth. And uh, we should not be attacked for doing that. And so, again, somewhere in the middle is the path that we all need to walk. So, again, it'd be interesting to see how this plays out. 
Do you think, though, that they that the police department, when when it comes to protests like this, I mean, because this is going to happen again. Protests mm-hmm. happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that police should have in some ways be able to deal with things other than how they, you know, everyone in tactical gear coming out in force? Yes. I mean, yes. that's that's going to be the response or what's going to happen when you have that kind of force come out. So I'm wondering if there is a way in which police departments can handle protests like a first wave where you reason with the people that are out there and say, look, we need you to remove. Let's talk to you. And everyone can peacefully go away as opposed to immediately. As soon as you see people with picket signs, you come out with tactical gear right. and, you know, AK 47s pointing them at children and people with signs. It's kind of silly to me. You know, you mentioned um, optics and yeah. uh, optics is a, that's a, that's a double-edged sword. It's a two-way street and uh, the optics for the uh, police and, and riot gear, the militarized men in black, if you will, Mm-hmm. with the AK-47s and the bulletproof vests, um, that's certainly an intimidating show of force. And then you do recognize that on the streets, I'm an avid protester. You know, I take to the streets almost whenever I can. You know, I take my children out there. You know, so I, I do recognize, um, to your point, that there a first wave certainly does a lot more good than just sending out the troops because these are people. They don't have guns. They don't have bulletproof vests. They're not they're being aggressive or posing a threat, rather, to the degree that the police are. The police actually are carrying the instruments that only have one designation, which is to end a life. Uh, the yeah. other side is people with signs basically voicing their opinions. And I so think, I mean, uh, I can, I'm sorry. No, I can just kind of uh, just kind of chime in real quick. Sorry, sure, to please. you know, I, I feel a little bit different mm-hmm. Uh about that situation, the optics per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand everything that you're saying and what Esther's saying as well, you know, and I believe there are levels. So what Esther is saying, you know, about, hey, there should be this. I believe that police do have levels of uh, how they interact, right? And I think as situations, let's say, escalate, uh, they may uh, take it up a notch or two, right? Now, in this instance, not that versed, but I will say that this guy <laughs> walked out in front of about 50 to 70 police officers, right? He was the only one. They were obviously clearing the street. They were trying to control the situation. He kind of asked for it, in my opinion, right? You can protest peacefully and respectfully, right? You know, I respect law enforcement, you know, uh, when they do wrong, they do wrong. Right. But and yeah, they are obviously showing force because they feel like they have to control the situation for the betterment of the community. But in this instance, you know, I feel like he was pretty bold by, you know, walking up in front of 50 police officers who were trying to control the situation that were obviously marching, trying to clear things out. And he walks up right in front of them. You know what I'm saying? So you know, I'm like, he just kind of asked for it, in my opinion. That's just that's just how I feel. No, no, I, I appreciate that. There's there's a, a significant amount of people that, that absolutely feel that way. And I, I don't want us to take too much time because we've got a couple more topics to get onto. But, you know, I, I want us to make sure that we're being careful with that narrative that people are asking for it, um, because a lot of times police officers are given the benefit of the doubt. And when it's uh, as an individual 
an individual who's scared and might be running from the police, you know, an individual who might react strangely to being in strange circumstances or whatever, they're, they're rarely given the benefit of the doubt. We never ask, well, what could have possibly gone wrong? This, was, this happened in the early days of the um, Ahmaud Arbery case when we were trying to figure out why he was wandering around in an abandoned house. He must have been up to no good, you know, these sorts of things. So I, I, I want us to make sure that we're all, all us listeners of today's episode, we're being mindful of you know, uh, chronicling a narrative that that we wouldn't extend the same courtesy for the other side. And so um, I appreciate the uh, the point, Doug, because, yeah, it is a bold move to to step out in front of the police officers. But if we leave a little bit of grace for the why and the unknown, then maybe we might at least uh, carry into this conversation and into this story a bit of um, room for there to be some nuance. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash B-I-N. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. 
Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And things we may not know uh, for certain. So with that said, today we're joined by Black Information Network news anchors Esther Dillard and Doug Davis to discuss this week's major stories. Our next topic, COVID cases are rising. Uh, The city of Philadelphia reinstates the mask mandate, but Florida governor says the mask mandate will not be enforced and the state will remain mask free. Esther, your take first. Well, it appears that um, Philadelphia City Health Commissioner Cheryl Bettigold, she was just pretty much putting this, um, reissuing this mask mandate out of caution. It looks like that the numbers of people hospitalized was still low, but the average cases per day warranted them to kind of put a plug in the dam, so to speak. Um, it was, a, I think, a stopgap measure to keep more cases from rising, rising. So this means that you have to wear a mask in Philadelphia in public indoor spaces like schools, child care settings, businesses, restaurants, government settings. Um and essentially, it's it's kind of like what they call it a level two response to um, this kind of thing where the, the numbers are going up. You don't have to show proof that you've taken a vaccine for going inside a restaurant or anything like that. It's just you have to wear a mask. And I think that, you know, Ron DeSantis, he responded to that saying that, you know, no matter what, you know, Floridians, you don't have to worry about putting on a mask. But I think that some don't think that is a smart move especially in a state where you have a large population of people over 65, retirees, even though the World Health Organization is pretty much saying that the the cases are falling quite a bit. They said, you know, we should interpret things with caution because of the subvariants that are out there and people are concerned that it's going to get, you know, that these numbers could tick back up. So I'm not sure if, you know, some people are supportive, as supportive of Ron DeSantis across the country. In Florida, they love them. There's a lot of people that are in support of what he had to say. Sure. Doug. Uh, You know, I think Dr. Cheryl Bettigold, the health commissioner, said it best. She said, if we fail to act now, knowing that every previous wave of infections has been followed by a wave of hospitalizations and then a wave of deaths, it would be too late for many of our residents. So I think it was a smart move. You know, I like their level two criteria, you know what I'm saying? And so um, I really wasn't feeling the comment uh, that DeSantis made regarding, you know, Philly's move, you know, bringing up Shanghai and saying, look what's going on over there. They're experiencing a brutal lockdown right now. You know, that's a communist country. We're a democratic country, you know? So I, I, th- I thought that was unfair. I thought that he was uh, trying to use scare tactics and fear Uh, you know, again, to feed into his base. You know, there are parts of Florida where cases are rising and Esther made a great point. What about the folks 65 and over or people that have uh, health compromising illnesses? And even some health experts in the state said that they're prepping for another surge. And, you know, we haven't even gotten into the summer months yet. So I hope that um, a lot of other, you know, states, counties, municipalities, you know, when they see uh, a slight surge and feel like it could take off, that they do what's best for their community, not what's best for their base. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what's the latest on the Grand Rapids police shooting of a black man, Patrick Leoya, and the release of the body cam video? 
Doug, why don't you start us off this time? Shoot, this situation, man. Um, I know there were some protests that were going on and that will probably still uh, be happening right now. Um, I've been watching a lot of social media, actually, you know, just to get an idea, you know, about uh, what's going on. How how are the people really, really feeling about it? And um, there's a lot of red flags out there. But I mean, just as a human being, uh, I don't see that the officer was in any sort of threat. I just I, I just don't see how and why he had to shoot and kill this young man in the head. So um, the videos have been released and, um, you know, we all most of us have seen it. And so uh, I know that uh, there's some autopsy uh, results that will be released soon once the toxicology and tissue test results are complete. And so, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. There's there's a lot that's going to happen with this case, as we know. Sure, sure. Esther, your thoughts. I don't I I really agree with with um, Doug that saying that uh, this isn't over. Um, This is just the beginning. The police chief was smart in releasing the video because there were some word out there that he should keep from releasing it until after the investigation was complete, which is by the Michigan State Police Department. That's typically the way they usually do it. They'll release it afterwards. But because of the nature of this, I think he could read the tea leaves that when people would actually watch this video, because when you watch it, it is really difficult to watch. It was a very difficult thing to watch where you saw him, you know, chasing and then, you know, struggling for a long time. It goes on and on and on. And then he ends up on the ground on top of him and he's still struggling. And then you can hear the officer yelling for the guy to leave his taser alone. He says it several times. And then the body camera goes out. And then you see from someone who's a bystander taking video that you hear the gun go off and then Leola stops struggling. And then it's after that, the officer yells at the bystander who took video of the whole thing to step back. Um, it's just really hard to watch. And he probably knew that once people watched this, the city was going to start exploding because people mm-hmm. are going to be saying this happened again. But another thing that, that crossed my mind was why didn't he have backup? Why didn't he have a second person there? There was no, uh, he was, uh, the officer was by himself taking care of the situation, which I think that's, that shows failure on the part of the police department. Why he, why did the police officer choose to pull out his gun? Because generally when you pull out your gun, it's not to warn anyone, it's to shoot someone. I don't think any police officer out there would say, we're trained to pull out our guns to warn people. No, I don't think that, I think that the gun is supposed to, once you pull it out, your intention is to shoot, but we don't know what his thought pattern was. Maybe he was pulling it out because he was trying to get it away from the other individual and then it went off. We don't know. So it's just a lot of questions that are out there. And I'm sure that it's going to take a long time to figure out what happened. I want to, I want to ask a question. Um, and, and just so you know, uh, when that story first broke, um, in order to protect my mental health, um, you know, on my other show, Civic Cypher, we deal with a lot of uh, things like that. And uh, I don't want to overwhelm myself with too much in the way of Black bodies being harmed and Black death. And so I kind of pace my stories out um, and I don't watch too many videos because I don't want to become overwhelmed and I don't want to normalize the death of Black 
uh, bodies. So I haven't seen this video yet, but I do recall a vague recollection of uh, a detail that the gentleman, um, Patrick Leoya, uh, being shot in the back of the head. Is that, do I have that That's right? That's yeah. what it looks like. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I, it will be interesting to see how that uh, unfolds. I appreciate you um, bringing me up to speed on that one because that was not one that I was prepared to deal with this week. You know, and, 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 uh, and if I can say this, it kind of goes back to, again, you know, excessive force, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, so comparatively speaking, you're absolutely right. You know, <laughs> just because you're a police officer and you can't control your suspect or you know the person that you're trying to pursue like or what have you it doesn't give you the right to kill someone and we've all seen it we've all okay. seen you know i'm sorry go ahead esther but i was gonna say that we don't know like i said was he because he was struggling saying the guy was pulling taser stop touching my taser mm -hmm. you don't know whether he was pulling the gun out in response to get his gun away you know it a away from the guy and then the gun went off. We don't know yeah. all the details or what was going through the guy's mind. I don't know. So I think that that's kind of safe to say that, you know, until we get all the details of what happened, we don't know. Right. But I mean, you know, how many times have you seen, you know, videos of black men running away from police with no gun <laughs> and a police officer shooting that man in the back and killing them? I've seen almost all of them. That's my point. That's my point. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, what, you know, what is considered excessive, you know, to me, a black man running away from an officer and then him shooting him in the head is excessive. Where's that line drawn? I'm not a police officer. I'm, I'm not a professional like in the field, but common sense would tell me that there's a big problem here and it's all over the country. Sure. You know, the, uh, the only, I think the, the dividing line is having been on the streets uh, many times for, uh, black people, of course, for Asian people, for kids in cages, for a number of things. Um, and being a voice in my community, I recognize that, uh, you know, if, if an officer were to push me or, or push one of my children or something like that, that, that would feel like an overreach because we don't pose a threat. Um, in the case of uh, this, this young man, Patrick Leoya, again, a little bit of grace, a little bit of um, room for nuance might go a long way. My take from it was that, um, you know, I, I read a story uh, not too long ago of an officer saying that a suspect was grabbing uh, the officer's gun and the officer didn't mention that the officer had his weapon out already and the person was grabbing his gun to keep the gun from shooting him, right? He wasn't trying to grab it, take it away, turn it around and then execute on the officer. It was to keep from being shot himself. And so, my brain <laughs> suggested to me that perhaps, um, you know, if someone pulls a taser out, you might react in the same way because you don't want to be tased. But, you know, as you mentioned, Esther, we just don't know. So again, it'll be interesting to see how that all fleshes out. Now, before we go, I'd love to get any further reflections on Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson, uh, your thoughts, your takeaways. You know, that's obviously the biggest star in our sky right now. So Esther, why don't you start us off? Um, sunshine, happiness, um, rainbows, all those things. Uh, and, uh, and on top of it, I, uh, all the, the things that you could say that are positive things, I would say about that moment, I really was happy that she was able to withstand all the criticism that she went through and still come out on top. 
And, and it was nice to see all the people cheering and happy and all the positive responses and how this moment will be something that young women will look to as something that they, they can aspire to. And I was just very happy to, to, to watch the whole thing. I love it. I love it. Doug, your thoughts. I agree with Esther. She really summed it all up. You know, um, uh, the future is, is really what uh, fascinates me the most uh, because I have an 11 year old daughter, her being able to, to witness this um, just opens up her mind to more possibilities. Well, that was energizing. Um, and I, I know for a fact, we're going to have plenty to follow up on next week. Uh, perhaps uh, with the uh, the mass shooting in New York City and uh, one or more of these other um, topics we've discussed today. But for now, we'll, we'll call it right here. So thank you very much for your insight. Once again, our guests today are Black Information Network news anchors, Esther Dillard and Doug Davis. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story Podcast. I'm your host, Ramses Cha. Join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.